Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. We're in John chapter 1 and we're actually going to do just half of it or thereabouts. And John chapter 1 is such a critical um, critical chapter that you know Charles Spurgeon has 25 different sermons on it. Um, another commentary I have, the pastor who wrote the commentary, you know, he has 15. And then within uh, Tozer, just in his writings, he has uh, five different or four different writings about John chapter one and just single verses out of it. So I figured we would go through it, start off and, uh, and get through about half of it today. And then tomorrow we'll do the other half. There've been times when we've, there's 51 verses and there've been times when we've gone through and combined smaller chapters together. Today, we're going to break this one apart. But before we do that, let's go ahead and open with a, a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all you've done. I thank you for the fact that you speak to us, that you are the word and that you were the beginning of time and that the word was spoken and the world was created. It's an amazing concept that you who created all, who knows all, who stands outside of time, wants to love us and know us intimately and personally. So Father, I lift up this time, I lift up this day, and I just pray that you would be honored and glorified, that our minds would be cleansed by hearing your word and thoughts about your word, that our spirits would be cleansed and healed of any damage that's been done to them over our lifetimes, over our day, whatever it might be, Lord. So I just dedicate this time to you. I pray that you'd be the one that speaks and be your word and your spirit that we hear. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So just going back real quick to the introduction, I just still really like the whole concept of how there's two parts to a coin, two sides, and both are valid. And then there's multiple or two sides to God or to Jesus. One is the son of man, which is illustrated in the previous book of Luke. And Luke was a physician, so he was best taught, best to teach and talk about Christ's humanity. And now John, who will talk about his deity and being the son of God. So I, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I really, really enjoy that. But let's go ahead and get started. And we'll probably read through to about I don't know, 25, 29 chat, uh, verses. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I was thinking about that last night, and really it's true. Light permeates everything in the darkness, but the dark can't compete with it. As soon as I turn on a light in a blacked out room, like in my hotel where I had blackout curtains, all of a sudden you can see everything. It doesn't consume it. Light consumes darkness, not the other way around. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified, testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. So that can be a confusing con- you know, statement, that he came after John, but he was before him because he was at the beginning of the world. And so, and he was therefore before him. So anyways, out of, out of his fullness, we have already received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. So notice No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Not was, but is. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had had been sent to question, Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So we're going to stop there at... uh, well, our next will be verse 29. So we'll read for the first half of the book or the chapter. We'll read something from a few things from Tozer. And then tomorrow we'll read commentary from Spurgeon. So Tozer's focusing on a number of scriptures, but one that he's really focusing is on is John 1 1 naturally in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so he writes an intelligent plain man untaught in the truths of Christianity coming upon this text would likely conclude that John meant to teach that it is the nature of God to speak to communicate his thoughts to others and he'd be right a word is a median medium by which thoughts are expressed and the application of the term to the eternal son leads us to believe that self-expression is inherent in the Godhead, 
that God is forever seeking to speak himself out to his creation. The whole Bible supports this idea. God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He is, by his nature, continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. One of the great realities with which we have to deal is the voice of God in his world. The briefest and only satisfying cosmology cosmology, is this. He spake, and it was done. Psalm 33, 9. The why of natural law is the loving voice of God, imminent in his creation. And the word of God, which brought all words into being, cannot be understood by the me- to mean the Bible, for it is not a written or a printed word at all. But the expression of the will of God is the breath of of God filling the world with living potentiality. The voice of God is the most powerful force in nature. Indeed, the only force in nature for all energy is here only because the power-filled word is being spoken. So Tozer really takes the concept of the word and the word being spoken to us. He then focuses on chapter 1, verse 18. And then the heavenly mindedness of Jesus. Oh, think of that. He was with the Father in the bosom of the Father while he was on earth. He said, the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Notice it says, is, not was. He never left the Father while he was on earth. The only time he left it was in the awful wrenching, wrenching agony when God turned away from him on the cross that he might die before mankind, but never at any other time. He talked about the other world. I am from above, John 8, 23. I have come down from heaven, 6, 38. He lived in the heart of God and the other world, and the world above was the world which he inhabited. And think how earthly his people are and how worldly. They talk of furniture, TV sets, baseball, football, cars, split-level houses, politics, anything but heaven and God. Then we want to pray, draw me nearer, nearer. Uh, you're as near as you can get as far as, a, as distance is concerned. But he can't manifest himself because there is a dis, dissimilarity of nature. You have enough of his nature that you're justified and regenerated, but you haven't enough to perfect the fellowship, the perfection of the fellowship. This is what we need so desperately. So it's that perfection of the fellowship, and that's what we keep talking about. We talk about our spirit. We're spiritual beings that have a human body. That we were meant to fellowship in spirit because God is spirit. And so we were meant to fellowship with him on a spiritual level. But with the fall of Adam, that took away the spiritual relationship. And it's therefore that fellowship that can't be perfect unless we have the forgiveness and the perfection of Christ. So it's that that we are truly striving for. The last, the last commentary he had was, and we, we're jumping ahead just a touch, but it's on John 1, 29. It says, believing then is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It is lifting the mind to look at the Lamb of God. And never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives, at first this may be difficult, but it becomes easier as we look steadily at his wondrous person, quietly and without strain. Distractions may hinder, but once the heart is committed to him, after each brief excursion away from him, the attention will return again and rest upon him like a wandering bird coming back to its window. 
So that's that I just lived that. I wandered away when I was traveling. I still read, I still prayed, but I wandered away from really focusing and looking upon it. And when I then came home, I realized how far I had strayed and how much I missed him, how much I missed being in his presence and how empty I felt when I wasn't in his presence and focused on him. He goes on, I would emphasize this one committal, this one great volitional act, which establishes the heart's intention to gaze forever upon Jesus. God takes this intention for our choice and makes what allowances he must for the thousands of distractions which beset us in this evil world. He knows that we have set the direction of our hearts towards Jesus, and we can know it too, and comfort ourselves with the knowledge that a habit of soul is forming which will become, after a while, a sort of spiritual reflex, returning no more conscious effort, requiring no more conscious effort on our part. And that's what I just pray and continue to pray, that as I daily read and as I daily speak to you and as I daily fellowship with him, it becomes part of me that's unconscious, that I don't have to even think about it, but it just becomes natural that I apply his will in my life. So with that, I'm going to close us with a quick word of prayer. Father God, I just thank you for all that you've done. And I just lift up this time and I pray that as, as an athlete performs actions without even thinking about it because they're just part of them, I pray the same for our relationship with you, our focus with you, and that our spiritual life would not require thought but would just be and that it would be strong and that it would be glorious. So, Father, I just lift up this time. I lift up that goal. And I just pray for your forgiveness for all the failures. And I pray for your strength and your guidance and your empowerment that that spiritual relationship, Holy Father, would be built and that it would just be who we are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.